Hi there. How y'all doing today? Well, I'll tell you, the traffic was pretty crazy by the mall yesterday. Were you all there? It was crazy. What is the deal? Ooh, I'll tell you, this Jewish guy does not understand this stuff. I'm telling you, it's crazy. You know, Jody, a, a few weeks ago, she insulted my Christmas lights. Those lazy laser lights that I have up, they look really good. They saved my life this year, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh, Jews and Christmas, it's kind of an odd mix. You know what I mean? If you don't know me, I'm Jewish. If you can't tell, I'm Jewish. <laughs> and sometimes things like this happen. Put that picture up. <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. Now, this is why you should never invite a Jewish person to a Christmas party. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, you should. But, I mean, really, I did not do this on purpose. This is totally natural. That's what's scary about the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, look at my ears. It's like I'm an elf. Oh, gosh. This was at yesterday's uh, holding out help party for those that are coming out of polygamy. It was an awesome, awesome event. We should applaud everyone that was a part of that. Can we give everybody a hand who was a part of that? It was amazing. Got to love up on a lot of people that are struggling this year, so... Glad that we can do it. Glad I was able to take that horrific picture that is going to be broadcast around the world. I'd like to welcome American Fork here to be able to see that terrible picture as well. Be horrified. Hopefully it won't ruin your Christmas. <laughs> so today we're talking about the proclamation of joy. The proclamation of joy. And the first part of the proclamation is the, the, the initial proclamation of joy that God had, which was that God said it was very good. In the book of Genesis, God said what he did was very good. This amazing picture that God set up, this, this complete act of love and joy, and he said it was very good. And that proclamation rang out for all of us to hear. I mean, can you just imagine what it is like for, for God to think in his eternal consciousness, I am going to create a people that will be my sons and daughters, and they will share in my glory and my love forever. And that's what this plan was. It was an amazing plan. Then Adam and Eve came along and, and uh, kind of ruined that plan a little. We had the fall. We kind of kind of skipped that part, but we're going to go to this part right here where God is talking about the fall because he talks about some of the issues that, we've, that we suffer because of the fall. But then we have the proclamation of the prophets. We have, we have this great proclamation that begins in Genesis this is God speaking right after the fall, right after this incredible proclamation of the joy of God that it is good. 
This amazing thing that I have thought in my mind and heart to do has happened, and it is good. And then the devil came along and messed things up for a while, right? But not for long. Immediately in the midst of this communication that God has with Adam and Eve and saying what they're going to suffer because of it, he also gives the proclamation of promise, the proclamation of prophetic promise that is actually called the proto-evangelism, evangelum, the beginning of the gospel right here. This is the seed of the gospel, even in the book of Genesis. And this is what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Guess who wins? You know, you, you stub your heel, it hurts a little. You crush your head, that's it, right? So we have this incredible promise in this scripture, in this prophecy that the prophet Moses gave that the head of the devil will be crushed and his plan and his purposes will be destroyed and God's promise will continue and it will be very good again. Isn't that great news? Yeah. History at this very moment became pregnant with the promise of God. He's talking about the seed. He's talking about Adam and Eve's seed. And, and so in a, in a very real spiritual sense, in heaven, there was a pregnancy that began at that promise. That is something that led up to Christ being born. You know, it's fun to see how many new babies are, are being born and how many pregnancies are happening in our church right now. I don't know what happened nine months ago, but something big. <laughs> it's phenomenal to see it. And it just, it just is like burst of life. And, you know, first service I was talking about little Roy, who, who is Shigeo and Maddie's little son, and I remember Shigeo when he was born, and uh, he, we were in California then still, and, and he had this, like, amazing head of hair. I don't know where it came from, but it, I don't even know how it fit in Cheryl's womb, but it was, it was just this amazing head of hair that came out of the womb. <laughs> okay, move on. And uh, I'm just thinking how wonderful it is, you know, this this amazing thing that we call pregnancy and birth and life and the promise that's a part of it. So history became pregnant with the promise of the Messiah at this point. You know, it, it, it was really fun to, to be involved in having kids. I mean, kind of, especially at that age, they don't talk back to you yet. You know, they kick a little in the womb and that's about it, Right? But it's a blast. And I can't talk too much about this because I'll get in trouble. But Cynthia was really a lot of fun during that time. My wife was just like, she had like this bubbliness and effervescence. That I mean, she still has that. But during pregnancy, it's something special. Do you guys agree? Anybody have kids in this place? You know, when, when, you, when, when you're pregnant, it's like all these possibilities come to mind. You're wondering, you're thinking about, oh, gee, what should I name them? And, and like for us, we didn't find out the sex. So it's like, who's coming out? 
You know, it's an amazing thing to think about what's going on in your life or in your body at that very moment. It's all these possibilities, all these promises. And that's exactly what the case was here with the proclamation of the prophets. I got to tell you, I'm not going to go into too many prophecies today, but I am going to say that our entire series that's starting the beginning of January, I think it's the second Sunday in January, is all about from Jesus, from Genesis to Jesus, from Genesis to Jesus. So it's going to be this, this whole series about how we see incarnations, how we see promises, prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. It's going to be really, really cool, you guys. So it's something to look forward to. So here in the scripture in Genesis, God is talking about enmity between the woman and the woman's, uh, between man and woman and the devil. And this seed, this seed, which is the promise, the pregnancy of this Messiah to come. And what does he say? He says that his head will be crushed. This is a crushing victory for man. A crushing victory for God and for the kingdom of God. It says in Romans 16.20, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You guys, Satan is going to be crushed under your feet. That is the cosmic picture. Now, I know throughout the week, it is very easy to feel miserable about your circumstances. And it's, it's easy to feel like a victim. I feel like that often, <laughs> you know, and just in circumstances and stuff like that. But we have to get a realization here. This is the picture. This is what's going to happen by the power and the authority and the promises and the sovereignty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are going to crush Satan and all his plans in this world. That was a bigger amen than first service. I'm glad. We have to realize that. I encourage you to realize that throughout the week. You are not a victim. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. So there have been many, many prophecies. And again, the series coming up is going to cover a lot of these. And thousands of years that encompass this, the beginning of this pregnancy this, this amazing pregnancy that started with the, these words in Genesis. And a good, a good representation of what's going on right now, or what was going on before Christ came, is, 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 uh, is in the scripture in Romans 8. It says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. But the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Can you just picture it? I'm a guy who has, who I, I'm constantly taking the words of the word and envisioning this concept in a, in a spiritual sense. 
the world, the promises of God are pregnant with God's hope and God's joy for us. That's the world. That's where we're at. They're yearning. The the trees are yearning. The mountains are yearning. The rivers, the oceans are all groaning for this moment when the proclamation of joy will be revealed. And Jesus recognized that prophecy was a great part of the proclamation of joy that he would bring. And he, he did this in, in, in a very significant way. The beginning of his ministry, he grabbed from 700 years earlier the prophecy of Isaiah 61, and he read it in the synagogue. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I can't tell you what it was like the first time I read these words of Jesus, taking prophecy that I know to be Jewish from 700 years earlier before Christ and him pulling it in and saying, this is it, folks. This is it. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There is good news for each one of us. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives. You are free in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the proclamation of joy for us today. You do not have to walk in bondage to anything because of the grace of Jesus Christ. If you are suffering from depression if you are suffering from anxiety or fears, if you are suffering from addictions, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is abundantly more than what you need to be able to conquer that. Sometimes you can't do it on your own. You need people in the body of Christ to come alongside. And I encourage you, if you are one of those people in any one of those areas, call the church and we will direct you to someone within our congregation who can support you, or a group. We have an awesome Freedom in Christ group that's here. We have awesome abilities that are, that are biblically based that can help you get free. The year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What a year that was. You know about that year? That year happened every 50 years was the year of Jubilee. During those, uh, those first 49 years, everybody worked. Even if you're struggling financially, you could actually sell yourself as a slave to someone if you wanted to. You can sell land, and you know, even if it's land that was in your family for generations, if you needed to, you can sell it to do whatever you wanted with the money. All these things can happen. On the 50th year, all the land returned to the original Ancestral owners, you're, if you're a slave, you're set free. If you're working, you have a year off. That's nice. It's the year of Jubilee. It's the year of freedom. It's the year of Sabbath. This is the Old Testament example of salvation. We are free. We don't have to work anymore. There's no work involved in our salvation. It says in the scripture that We now have the Sabbath rest of God. The jubilee of God every day for eternity is ours. 
every day. So Jesus really understood this concept that, that the proclamation of the prophets was an essential part of his proclamation as well. And so he used prophecy often. And one of the great places where he used it was on the road to Emmaus. Here are two disciples. They're distraught. Jesus had died. They did not see an appearance of him resurrected as others had. They're walking on the road thinking, what are we going to do? Oy vey. Here we go. Back to the old life. And Jesus, unbeknownst to them, comes and is walking beside them. I love this picture. And here he is. And and he's asking them, you know, what's going on? And, and they're saying, don't you know how, what a bummer it is? How, what a bummer life is? And here is the eternal king of kings. And he gives the picture. The picture that we need for our lives. If you're on the road to Emmaus today, and you think, man, I don't know how God's going to do anything here. I've heard about a resurrection, but I haven't seen it in my life. I want you to know, this is Jesus Christ speaking these words here. It says, in the beginning, with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The proclamation of the prophets fulfilled in Christ. And now we look at the proclamation of the angels. Okay? Now, before we look at the angels, we want to look at our perspective because our perspective is a little different. The angels, quite unique. Our perspective is talked about in 1 Corinthians. It says, For we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully. And the idea is that, and, and the mirrors back then, they were almost useless back then, right? You could barely see anything. The idea is, is that we see through a veil dimly. We see, we see very little, but we see glimmers, right? Yes? But the angels, they see it all. They're in the presence of God. They were there when that seed was planted, when that pregnancy began. And they have been watching and hearing these prophecies for 1,500 years. Prophecies of the promise of the joy of God. And so they had complete and utter clarity. So when they came and spoke, it's real. This isn't some Jewish guy coming up and saying, well, I think this is going to happen. No, these are the angels who see they're right before God. As a matter of fact, it's Gabriel who stands before God, as one of the scriptures says. So let's look at, let's look at them and their perspective. Think about them viewing this pregnancy for all these years. I love watching people as, they, as their tummies grow, huh? And I guess you're not supposed to touch the tummies. Don't do that. But it's neat to see. And 
you know, Adelphi, my goddaughter-in-law who sings up here, you know, it, it, it's just amazing that she's up here singing and worshiping the Lord and leading us in worship. And it looks like she's a weeble and she's going to topple over. <laughs> I mean, she, she is ready. She's ready. It's wonderful, wonderful time. It's a delightful time. So here's the angels. The first angel comes to Zechariah. It's the angel Gabriel standing in the presence of God. And Zechariah is John's dad, John the Baptist's dad. And he says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer had been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is from Malachi 4.5, another Old Testament prophet, that Elijah will come. He will prepare. He will make the people ready. He brought them in and said, listen, look at your life. We are a mess. We need help. How many of you agree that as people without God, we're in trouble? We have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We need this great reconciliation that the grace of God affords us because of the cross of Christ. And Jesus said about John the Baptist, if you can accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So here is the angels preparing the way, prophesying to Zechariah, who was the priest that year in the temple, and saying, this is what's going to happen, dude. Your son is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Not just for some nice teacher, not for a rabbi, for the Lord. And he is going to save his people from their sins. The angels came to Joseph, Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is in Isaiah 7. Again, the angels have heard this proclamation of prophecy and they are brought right back in and spoken these words to Joseph. What an amazing thing to think that this, this person is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, virgin birth, 
and save their people from their sins. Isaiah 53. This is spectacular news. These are the angels that have complete and utter clarity. How many of you wear glasses? When you're missing your glasses, it's a problem, right? Angels don't need glasses. They have 20-20 or whatever would be the best vision of everything. And this is what they see. They see that there is going to be a child born of a virgin and he is going to be the savior of the world. What an amazing proclamation. Yes? And then the angels come to Mary. In Luke 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You can imagine. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is from the angel Gabriel. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. These are the words of the angel proclaiming joy to us. The Son of God will be born. God himself will be born. He will sit on an eternal throne, on David's throne, 2 Samuel 17, 16. He is the Son of God, Isaiah 9. All of history is being wrapped up and brought right back into this moment right now for Mary to see that the promise of joy is going to happen and she is going to bear this little child that will be called Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. If the proclaiming of the prophecies were the beginning of pregnancy, the, the angels proclaiming all these events are kind of like the you know, the little stick that you look at and you say, oh my goodness, this is real. <laughs> Do you remember that? How many of you are too old to remember those sticks? <laughs> I mean, that was an amazing moment for us. I, mean, I think we tested like 10 times, you know. <laughs> we tried it, it didn't happen. Tried again, one month, didn't happen. You know, when it finally happens and that color is the way it's supposed to be, I forgot what it was, but... When it is the way it's supposed to be, and you say, is that real? It's an amazing thing. That's what was happening here with the proclamation of the angels. You know, I, it, it's a thrilling time right around this time in the pregnancy process. You know, our, we have a, a wonderful... Um, 
can't tell you who she is, but she's close to me, and she's pregnant, and she had like a baby reveal, and no one knew the sex of this baby, and they didn't even know the sex of the baby, so it was kind of a party, and it was a really cool party, and this wonderful friend of all of ours put it, put it together, and it was like step by step by step. It's just like the intensity built, the the, the wondering built, and at the, I mean, it was like fireworks and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was incredible. It was so much fun. Just getting to that moment like, oh, it's a boy or girl. It happened to be a boy. <laughs> Do you guys have kids? Because, I mean, this was really exciting to me. <laughs> what are you thinking about their teenage years? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those years. <laughs> I'm still in them. I have great kids. You know, uh, when you have kids, you, uh, before you have kids, you really don't get things. And so I was in the hospital room with Jody, and she was uh, getting ready to have Joshua, who was... 10 pounds and something. And she was just talking about the pain. And I thought, I need to encourage this lady, my friend. Come on. This is going to be great. You know, some people, you don't have to complain. Some people might have trouble having kids. And you know what she did? Out. (laughs) I've never seen a more definitive exit in my life. I don't think I saw that kid for its first month of his life. You just don't get it until you have kids. (laughs) Everything changes at that point. It's so amazing. And then the final angelic pronouncement is the shepherds, is the shepherds in Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Think about these words being said for the very first time. Think about these shepherds that are in the field who have this hope of the Messiah, know the scriptures, know the prophecies, and hear the angel of the Lord is saying these very words today in the town of David, extremely significant because that's where it had to be born. A Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. Every one of those words has cosmic implications for eternity. This will be a sign to you. You will have a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Jeremiah 23, this comes out of Jeremiah 23. You know, our good friends Heber and Kaylin just had a baby. We're all excited for that. We'll go. But, you know, I was away on Thanksgiving when that happened, and I'm reading on Facebook, please pray. We've been in labor for over 40 hours. 
But when that baby's born, you forget all the 40 hours, right? And here it is right now. Thousands of years of pregnancy. And here is this very moment. The promise of joy comes to fruition in this little baby. I guarantee you that this was not a casual communication. Glory to God in the highest. This wasn't like the angels were sitting around like this saying, Glory to God. That's awesome. Do you see him doing that? No. Here, you have to understand, they have perfect vision. They have a vision that started at the beginning and ends at the end, whenever that is, and it doesn't end. They have perfect vision. They saw the most amazing promise, all of history, come to fruition. And they cried out, glory to God! Glory to God! They cried out. There is nothing like this. There is no promise. There's no guarantee. There's no thing you can buy. There's no thing you could work towards that is anything like this promise. This is it, folks. This is it. And those angels did exactly the appropriate response. They cried out probably so loud the mountain shook. Glory to God, this finally happened after thousands of years. Here it is. The Messiah is born, the Savior of the world. If angels could burst into ecstatic praise over this cosmic event that took place that changes, doesn't change their life, it changes our lives, should not we do the same thing? I think we should. I think that is exactly the appropriate response, is to proclaim the glory of God, to proclaim the joy that has been given to us, which is Christ the Lord, Savior of the world, born to die for us that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And so we have the pro proclamation of the church, the proclamation of the prophets, the angels, and now we have the church. So here we are, the church. First, we have some early adopters, and I wanted to kind of give you a few examples of, of people that saw it for the first time. Real people, not, not just angels, right? But people. What did they see? What was going on in their minds and hearts when it became real that the promise of joy was in the world? So we look at Simeon and in Luke 2, Luke, Simeon was a man in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine living life knowing that God told you you are not going to die before the promise for thousands of years is revealed to you, what would you do? How would you be looking? Is it you? Is it him? Who is it? Can you imagine that his, he was slightly alert to these things? And here he was, 
The only place you could be for this was right at the temple. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in peace. Think about it. Think about seeing that baby and knowing this is the promise that you were given your whole life. And that, that promise that was given thousands of years earlier. I think this is the way we should respond. How about you? Anna the prophetess, the same thing. Coming up to them at that very moment in the temple, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking to the redemption of Israel. This is the great cosmic intersection from the Old Testament promise and New Testament provision. John the Baptist, one of the early adopters as well. So here is John, and, and he's, he's preparing the people. He's, he's the Elijah to come. He's already prophetic in who he is. And he is eating all kinds of weird animals, little bugs, Wearing weird clothes, living in the desert. Oh, that's us. No. <laughs> and he's out there, and he's, he's doing this, and he knows he's doing it for a reason. He knows he's there to say, prepare yourselves for the Lord. But then, then, as he's baptizing people, he looks up. And you can, you can just imagine what it was like. The sun's probably in his eyes, and, and he's looking, and, and who is that person? And he sees Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What an amazing thing to say. His whole life knowing that Messiah will come. Messiah will come. Will he come in my life? Will he come in my life? They've been expecting him for many, many years. Thousands. Will he come? And John the Baptist sees Jesus. And at that very moment, it crystallizes in his mind and his heart. And God speaks to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. The sacrifice of God, the Lamb of God was the sacrifice, is, is going back all the way to the sacrifice that Adam and Eve had for their sins, into the temple sacrifices, and up to this very moment, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now we have the church, everyone. We have the church. That's us. We're not early adopters. We're, we're, we're in the church period right now, and we are called to do what is absolutely the most appropriate thing to do. If you do not, not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're going to have an opportunity to accept him today. That is the most appropriate thing to do because the joy that is found in knowing Christ is eternal life. It is an eternal relationship with the creator 
and Savior, God himself. There is no other plan B. Plan B is death. Choose life today. For those of us that know the Lord, there is no other thing that makes sense for us to do except to proclaim the joy of the Lord. Amen. We must do this. First Chronicles 16 says, Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Will we do this? This is what we are here to do. Proclaim His salvation. Acts 5.42 says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And Romans really encourages us, exhorts us to be proclaiming this truth. Let's skip uh, Romans 10 and go to, uh, go to Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one who have they not believed in? And how can they believe in the one on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What is the Apostle Paul, who inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying here? Is that we are a connection to history here. The prophets proclaim joy. The angels proclaim joy. And now it is time for the church to proclaim the joy of the Lord. The year of the Lord's favor. We are to do this. And you say, well, I can't do that. I have to work. Proclaim the joy of the Lord at work. I can't do that. I work from home. Proclaim the joy of the Lord in your neighborhood and in your home. Proclaim the joy of the Lord in your supermarkets, in your stores, wherever you're at. This is it. The angels were the example to us. The prophets were an example to us. This is irresistibly the most amazing news that could ever be offered to anyone. And it's ours. Let us proclaim the joy of the Lord. Amen? Our final scripture today is, is Matthew 10, 27. This is Jesus, and he's speaking it to us. Can you stand with me? Oh, don't stand. I'm sorry. We have, we have Angela singing a song. So don't stand. While Angela's coming up, this is what Jesus said. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. This is the most logical thing to do. It makes all the sense in the world when you see with clarity what is real. And so those of you that know Christ... Your proclamation must go out. It is a continuation of this prophetic, angelic, and now church proclamation of the joy of the Lord. And so I asked in just a very simple way for you to do this this week. There are, if you have a bulletin, there are two inserts, two on purpose. That's not a mistake. 
There are two there that invite people that are good invitations for Christmas Eve. Now, Christmas Eve, I think, is probably one of the best ways you can invite somebody in Utah to experience a Christian service. It's not on a Sunday, and most other churches and other religions do not have Christmas Eve. And so, I encourage you, proclaim the Lord. Invite people. Proclaim His goodness. Proclaim His goodness. Amen.